Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Hafsa and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. The lockdown restrictions have begun to relax in the UK so the streets aren't looking as eerie and empty during my long walks as they were a few weeks ago which is great. It's nice to see that small businesses like cafes and restaurants are open again after so long and I'm yet to go back to my salon for a nail appointment but I cannot wait. So what's been happening since the last episode? For my mind, I've just been catching up with my friends really and after so long, it's been great catching up with them and seeing them and making memories. We recently went to Epping and stayed there for a few days. We also drove up to a small village in Surrey called Friendsham where we basked in the sun and visited an incredible sandy beach. Studies prove that the benefits of friendship are endless from it lessening stress, increasing happiness and boosting confidence. So I urge you guys, go out there and catch up with your friends. Now, on to beauty. You've heard me ranting about my skin for a while now, but I'm glad to report that my skin has finally cleared up. I consulted my friend Nirvana Safa, a naturopath practitioner, and she recommended that I take a supplement that contains herbs known to maintain hormonal balance, including Vitex, Skullcap, and Milk Thistle. I'm on my third month, and it's made a significant difference to my skin, as well as other changes like drinking celery juice on an empty stomach every morning, as well as cutting out dairy and eggs. So I've pretty much adopted a plant-based diet with the exception of some meat, chicken and fish here and there, and that's more or less a couple of times a month really. I'll provide links to Nirvana's page and the supplements in the show notes, but just as an FYI, what works for me might not necessarily work for you, and so it might help to consult a practitioner yourself just to see how you might be able to tackle your own skin problems. As for skincare, I've been keeping it super simple by double cleansing with Boots Botanics Cleansing Balm, followed by the Inky List Salicylic Acid Cleanser, and then I follow that up with the Yves Lom Time Retreat Radiance Essence, and some rosehip oil at night, and La Roche-Posay's Everclar Duo during the day. 
Some evenings, I'll replace the rosehip oil with the number seven's Laboratories Cleansing Skin Paste, which has been an absolute godsend. It contains a blend of actives, including salicylic acid, but it doesn't leave that tight, dried up feeling that a lot of actives tend to do. Finally, onto Sol. I've been making a conscious effort to know all about stress, whether it's reading up on it or speaking to my friends about their relationship with stress. That's why today's guest is all the more important, in the episode, I speak with stress expert Heather Thatcher, who hails from Canada. She used to work as a registered nurse for intensive care units and noticed that many of the reasons people found themselves in ICU were a manifestation of what was going on from within. There is so much research that links stress to a large number of chronic diseases and illnesses. And so Heather knew that if she wanted to really make an impact with people's health, she had to get out of the reactive side of medicine and start attacking it at its source. Our modern day stress that our body just simply wasn't designed for. It's Heather's mission to therefore show people how to take control of their stress response and heal the negative effects of stress so that they can feel better, take control of their life and confidently go after anything they want. I cannot wait for you to listen to Heather as she's a wealth of information when it comes to stress and the impact that it has on our health, both mental and physical. On a similar note, I recently read an article on The Cut and I'll just share the link with you in the show notes so you can read it in full, but it presents the experiences of black women with burnout and I absolutely could relate. I'm just going to read you an excerpt that I found particularly painful yet not surprising. Black women, a recent study found, experience accelerated biological aging as a result of repeated or prolonged stress, like for example the kind brought on by poverty or trying to prove one's worth in a discriminatory workplace. Black women frequently struggle with microaggressions, a lack of opportunities and the pressure to be consistently on throw in long hours, endless slack messages, and a culture that prioritises the go, go, go. And burnout becomes an almost unavoidable condition. What I take away from this excerpt is that to de-stress and to take care of oneself, whether it be taking regular breaks or working out, isn't the vain, self-absorbed pursuit that some people would have women believe when it comes to self-care. It's our way of trying to avoid burnout and it's potentially serious health implications. I must stress that, pun intended, that it's imperative to put yourself first. And to me, that looks like making sure your own interests are taken care of and that you don't compromise your health for anyone or anything. In a bid to take better care of ourselves, Heather has kindly gifted you a free stress risk assessment and inner peace meditation. You'll find a link to access it in the show notes. It's a great resource, so happy listening. Today, I'm joined by Heather Thatcher, someone I'm incredibly excited to have on the podcast. She is a stress management advocate and an empowerment speaker. As someone who's been burned out from stress before, I find Heather's work so crucial. She's dedicated to showing people how to live with conscious intention so they can lower their stress, feel in control of their life, and to confidently go after whatever they want. So welcome to the podcast, Heather. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really grateful. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, you're all the way in Canada. I'm all the way in London. You know, when it came to starting my podcast, I usually record in a studio with someone. But then the drawbacks of that, I guess, is that you don't necessarily have the privilege of being able to have guests from all over the world on there. But I guess the lockdown, what that did to me is it forced me to actually have to invite guests over, even if they were in London, through video conferencing software and stuff. So I thought to myself, I'm going to start interviewing people from all over the world. I want my guests to be everywhere like I don't want them to feel restricted to just staying in in London and have like whenever they're in London let's go to the studio and record so I'm really happy that you're joining me all the way from Alberta Canada yes I really love how this pandemic has taught us so many things about the importance of connection and then also opening up to thinking outside the box because that's an excellent stress management strategy is to embrace the unexpected 
And COVID has really forced us to do that. How have you been able to, to really deal with everything going on? Great questions. So we've been very lucky in our area of Canada. Uh, in general, this is a younger population in the province that I live in. So we have not been hit as hard. Plus our government locked down very early. So we managed to flatten the curve very well. We're already in the reopening phases and doing quite well with it. So our ICUs didn't get overwhelmed. We're very, very lucky out here. So that was uh, very helpful. Plus being in the stress management space, there was a lot of people looking for stress management help at this time. So it was a very active time for me, which was very helpful because for me, uh, I used to be an ICU nurse and through other waves of deadly viruses like the H1N1 and through SARS, I was working in the ICU. And so I knew what that looked like for me as someone who identified as being an ICU nurse. But uh, about a year and a half ago, my health changed drastically and I was unable to work in the ICU. So before that, I was already building the stress management business and I already intended to do this full time. So that decision kind of got made for me and so I launched into it full time anyway. And so to still be able to feel helpful at that time when so many people were struggling was very healing for me as well during that part of the pandemic. How was it actually working in ICU as a nurse? Was it something that you enjoyed or is it something that pushed you further into doing what you're doing today? So I really did enjoy it. And it's just such a fascinating place of medicine. But what I was noticing was that a lot of the reasons why the adults were coming into the ICU were because of illnesses and diseases that could have been prevented if they knew how to better manage their stress. And so I wanted to become a nurse to help people with their health, but I realized that I needed to get out of that reactive side of medicine and get into the proactive side. Because honestly, I would rather help keep people out of the ICU than to just manage all of that vulnerability and the, the fear for their family while they're in there. So that is where my practice really shifted into this stress management space, because it really has been actually declared by the WHO as its own epidemic. I love that you said to work in the proactive sphere as opposed to the reactive. I'm really interested to know what kind of approaches you take when it comes to being proactive in, in health. So for me, it really comes down to the way that health started. So if you look back to the roots of our modern day healthcare system, which are rooted in Ayurvedic health, in traditional Chinese medicine, they are very much focused on the proactive side. And if you go to a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner that practices in the traditional way, you pay them to help you maintain your health. But when you get sick, you stop paying them because that means that they didn't support you in the right way. So now they're going to help you get back to health. And then you're investing in current health into maintaining that current level of health. And so I started looking into those roots and what they really focused on. And then I see how our stress response and our modern day life, which our stress response wasn't designed for. And so learning how to combat that natural stress response that doesn't do well with all modern day stressors and learning how to fight that with good nutrition, with life balance that so many of us struggle with right now, even in this pandemic space when we're forced to slow down and just again, prioritizing those mental health pieces, but then also understanding how your stress response works so that way you can learn to turn that stress switch off because that is really where a lot of the magic can happen. For me personally, I've found that stress has had a dire impact on my own health. And then when I've actually taken steps to lower that stress, 
the results are endless and, and you just see how much of an impact it has. Like I remember, I think it probably was almost 10 years ago. There was a particularly stressful time in my life where I was stressing. I, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that this thing was on my mind all day, all night. My period had been delayed way more than it should have been. I woke up to the fact that, okay, I really need to get the stress in order then because if it's really impacting my my period, what more can it be impacting? Could it be impacting my gut health? Could it be impacting anything? It's great work that you're doing. I think it's a great job because it's something that needs to be addressed rather than looking at someone who comes into the hospital or to the doctor and presents themselves with symptoms that were caused by stress. Absolutely. And so I only have the statistics for the U.S. because the U.S. are great at pumping out statistics, but they <laughs> estimate that 90% of doctors' visits are stress-related. Wow. And so I just wanted to come back to what you said, because often when we're stressed, we feel like we're so much more prone to emotional eating or going for comfort foods, those high-carb, high-fat foods. And then we also struggle to sleep. And there's actually a biological reason for that. So when we're stressed, when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze response, our body is prioritizing the things that are most important and deprioritizing everything else. So if you think about it, if you're running away from a bear, which is what your stress response was designed for, digesting that cheeseburger that you had for lunch is not a priority. Getting away from that bear is a priority. So what it does is it shuts down some of the blood flow to your digestion, which actually slows everything down, leads to more digestive issues, which leads to things backing up and increased acidity in your stomach, which leads to those ulcers. Plus, when you're in this state of this heightened response where you're trying to get away from a bear, your blood pressure is higher, your blood's moving around faster, you're breathing faster to try and get more energy to the big muscles in your body to get you safe. But that requires a lot more energy. And so what your body does is it sends out this superhero hormone. It's called cortisol. And so in the news, everybody's giving this cortisol hormone a bad rap, but really it's not the enemy. It's your support friend. So it's running around your body, making sure that everybody in your body is staying awake as possible and doing everything it can to make sure you have the energy it needs. So it talks to your liver, gets your liver to start making its own energy, its own glucose, which is our body's fuel. And then it also sends messages from your cells to your brain, which makes you crave high fat, high carb foods because those ones have the most energy. So your body, when you're stressed, is actually making you crave pizza and pasta and processed foods and chips and brownies because those ones are those quick sources of energy that are going to help you maintain that phase of stress so that way you don't keep moving through the three stages of stress to where you hit that stage of exhaustion where you can't cope anymore. Yeah. But With this cortisol pulsing around, it's also increasing your energy. And usually we've got a natural cortisol cycle that happens in our body. So it spikes sort of at six in the morning to kind of wake us up between six and 8 a.m. naturally and give us that little morning coffee boost. And then it fades off throughout the day. But then it starts the cycle of ramping up a little bit throughout the night. And it just hits that threshold where it wakes us up at 6 a.m. But if you're in a constant stress state, that cortisol level is a little bit higher. So it still peaks at about 6 a.m. and starts to taper off. But then when it starts to sort of ramp up at two in the morning, it hits that wake up threshold much sooner. So it's really common when we're super stressed out to wake up at three to four in the morning because that's when our stress levels or our cortisol levels, sorry, hit that threshold again to wake us up. So all of these things are so interconnected. 
Absolutely. I find that personally, when I'm going through a particularly stressful moment in my life, my supermarket trips are a little more interesting than when I'm not stressed out. I tend to kind of linger more around the baked goods, around the desserts area where I'm like, oh, I don't mind picking up a bit of a cheesecake. But then you do feel quite bad after that and you do stress as well. And I find that when I'm eating foods that are high in sugar, like you said, the starchier foods, like your pasta and your pizzas and things, when I do eat more of that, when, I'm, when I am stressed and it's me consuming it not out of a happy occasion or just feeling like it's more of an intuitive eating, when I am doing it out of stress, I feel like it's a loophole. Or sorry, not a loophole, like a cycle. I basically mm-hmm. eat that, feel stressed about it. Then you eat that again. You feel stressed about it. You're stressed because you ate that and then you eat that again. I also find that I break out a lot when I'm stressed as well. And I'm already someone who's quite prone to acne as well because of loads of different things. But when my stress levels are high, my acne is high as well. Oh, and then it also breaks down your confidence, making you feel less stressed and less prone to go out and do those things that really help us in our stress space. Because when we're this stressed out, that's usually when we deprioritize those really good coping strategies because we don't have time. But that's when we need them the most. Yeah, yeah. And I find that when you are stressed because of the things that stress has ultimately caused, it can only go down from there. And so I'm wondering, with stress having so much of an impact and also it just reverberating in every aspect of your life, is there anything that you would advise for people to do when they're beginning to see the start of stress? So not necessarily when they're in the throes of it, but are there any things that you can identify where you're like, okay, I'm starting to identify a cycle here. Is there anything that I can do to perhaps avoid that from even happening? Absolutely. Our stress response is a stress switch. We're either stressed out or in the rest and digest phase. We're either in the sympathetic nervous system where everything's ramping up or we're healing and digesting our food and processing the emotions that have have come up through us throughout the day. But basically we have control over this stress switch. There's a really easy way that we can do it. So in the sympathetic nervous system, the fight, flight, or freeze, we're breathing quickly and our heartbeat is fast and our blood pressure is high, everything's ramping up. But in that rest and digest, the parasympathetic side, our breathing is slow. And so whenever somebody comes to you and you're stressed out and kind of frazzled and they're just like, just breathe. And you're just like, "Mm, just breathe. It's kind of the last thing which you want to hear at the moment. It's actually some of the best advice you could receive. So what I recommend people do is practice five, five, five breathing. And so what you do is you take five deep breaths for five seconds on the inhale and five seconds on the exhale. And what this does is it triggers your brain to turn that stress switch off. And what that's going to do is slow down the stress response in your body, start allowing your body to heal from that stress. And really, because all of us live in a very stressful world, that's just the way society is right now. And so I recommend you do this on a very proactive basis and do this five times a day on the regular. And I know that that sounds like a lot, but if you do it when you first get up in the morning, before each meal, and then before you go to bed at night, that's five times. And then you've consciously turned off that stress switch five times throughout the day. So that's a really good place to start. The next level is to use a self-compassion script. And so basically what happens when we're stressed is our body's noticing that something is different. Something around us is not our status quo. And so it reacts to that just in the same way that it would be reacting to a bear running at you. Our body sees any kind of changes dangerous and that's 
driven by our inner critic because our inner critic, our ego, the inner child, however you want to call it, that also looks at your environment and takes it all in and wants to find everything that they can find to keep you safe. And that means we're going to keep living in the same pattern. So when I was uh, grocery shopping for the first time when the pandemic was kind of coming down and everybody was getting really nervous and buying all the toilet paper, I went to the grocery <laughs> store. Time. Right? You're just like, why? Why do you need five years of toilet paper? <laughs> That's another story. So um, yeah, I was there just buying a couple of things, just thinking like, like, who knows what things are going to look like. Let's just get some frozen veggies and a couple of cans of things just in case. And so I was there practicing my breathing because I knew it would be stressful and that everybody around would be stressed and things would be different. So I was practicing the breathing as I'm walking through the grocery store, but then I noticed that the stress response in me was still ramping up. And so that's when I knew to, knew to switch to this self-compassion script. And so what it does is it takes control back from that scared, fear-based inner critic part of you that's reacting to this stressful situation. And it does these three things. Number one, it validates your feelings. Because we're so quick to be like, oh, you shouldn't be feeling that right now. Just mm, push that down. So you want to validate how you're feeling. You want to remind yourself that this is only temporary. And then let yourself know that there are supports available. You are strong and capable. And your track record of overcoming challenging things is pretty good so far. You're 100% because you're still here. So those those three components really made a difference. So I was in the grocery store telling myself like, yeah, things are weird and really scary right now. People are kind of panicking and it's hard to distance yourself from that, but that's okay. This is only temporary. The pandemic is not going to last for the rest of your life. We're going to figure this out. You're going to learn how to embrace the unexpected of this moment. And again, you are a smart and capable woman. You're going to be able to ride through this and be able yeah. to figure out how to move forward. And so what I did is said that to myself a couple of times and yeah, I could feel the stress response just turning off because I was taking control again, rather than having my fear-based inner critic ego driving the train. I went shopping with my sister and my, um, my aunt just before the lockdown in London had happened. And so we went to a huge supermarket, a bigger supermarket than we'd ever been to before. And I thought, okay, let's go and find some, some frozen food and some canned food and things like that, that we might need dry food, like beans and lentils and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just remember walking into the store and it was just so spooky. And mm -hmm. deep down, I know that food insecurity isn't something that I've experienced ever in my life. It just made me very anxious. And my sister had to say to me, stop, calm down the control started to come back because I'm thinking I can control the situation because I have multiple options. My neighbor, another store, I have family that live nearby and that I can get food from them. Absolutely. And so that's a very clear example, number one, of how a self-compassion script really works because you've used that there and it worked very well for you. And the other thing about how important it is to be able to unhook from those fear-based inner critic driven responses, that stress-based anxiety-based response, because you know that's not you. You know that you have the ability to disagree with those thoughts, but in the moment when you're caught up in this space, it's really hard to unhook from that. Yeah. And so learning how to drop into that inner objective observer that you have that can look at that holistic space and be able to make those objective decisions is really important. And high powered CEOs know how to do this. Certain leaders of certain countries know how to do this. Read between the lines, their friends. And um but emergency room and ICU staff know how to do this. So you just learn how to create a brain pathway from the fear-based busy brain response into that calm objective observer. And so the way that I like to explain this is to imagine your mind as the ocean. 
And so if everything's fine, you and your inner critic are sitting there in a little boat in the ocean. Everything's great. The waves are calm. The sun is shining. Everything's beautiful. But then when a stressful event happens, like the imminent lockdown is about to hit or any other big stressful event or even minor stressful event in your life, it's like the perfect perfect storm rolls in. And so then you and your inner critic are hanging on the edges of this little boat for dear life while you're being thrown around on these massive waves. You've got no chance but to react what's coming because you can't see it coming over the next wave. You're just hanging on for dear life, trying to keep your head above water. But if you sink 30 to 40 feet below, everything is calm and completely unaffected by what's happening on the surface. You had no chance of realizing that there's a storm happening up there. And so that's where your inner objective observer lives. Deeply calm within you that is separate from all of the craziness that's happening on the surface and able to see it from a more calm objective space. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of different ways you can access that. One of the easiest ways is through doing a neuro-linguistic reprogramming meditation, um, which I can give to your followers for free if you would like. I can send you a link for that. Um, but basically you. what it helps you do is just create that brain pathway And so the first time you try and do this, it's like you're walking across a grassy field. And so the first time you walk across it, nothing really happens. And there's no like set path. But the more you keep walking that same path, the grass gets broken down until there's a nice dirt path that leads the way very clearly to where you want to go. So the more you practice this, the easier it's going to get. And that's why you can see if you've ever seen doctor shows or being able to witness somebody in an emergency room or in an ICU, you'd be able to see the team take a collective breath and then they're all good to go. Cause that breath is what they need to drop down that pathway to their calm wow. objective space. And then they're good. So you can learn how to do this in as short as one single breath. Once you've created that neural pathway. Going back to your experience working in ICU, how much has that influenced what you do today? So it's influenced it immensely. So when you're in the ICU, there was tons of teaching and learning that we did around stress and the stress response, because when you are a patient in the ICU, that's about as stressed as your body can get. So there's a lot of different things that are abnormal to the normal human body experience of being in hospitals that we had to learn how to manage differently. And then as the nurse at the bedside, you're so much more into balancing all the different medication levels and making sure that you're managing that stress response to best support their healing. So we did a little bit at that at the beginning, and I was just so fascinated by it. I've always been fascinated by medicine, but then the stress response just really resonated with me. So then I did multiple other courses. I've been reading so many books. Like I can't even remember the last time I read like a fiction book because I've just been reading so much about stress because it's just my joy. I really enjoy learning about it. So it's just created that whole space where I learned that if I really wanted to make a difference, it had to come before, long before ICU was required. What kind of health complications are you seeing as a result of stress? Everybody, their first thought with chronic stress is heart disease. And so that's a really easy one, one that makes a lot of sense. Because again, like we've talked about when you're in that sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight freeze response, that's when your heart's beating really fast, working really hard, and your blood pressure is higher. So that means that your heart muscle is getting tired, that your blood pressure is higher, and that you're putting yourself at risk for heart attacks and strokes. When you're stressed out, craving more of those high fat, high carb foods, that's leading to those building up of plaques in the little vessels around your heart and in other parts of your body, which also increases your risk of heart attack and stroke. So those ones are the most obvious ones. 
ones. Like we talked about with digestion, because your body, when it's in this high stress state, sort of limiting blood flow to your digestion, that could be what leads to ulcers or irritable, irritable bowel disease, uh, indigestion. There's also a science of genes that's called epigenetics that's looking at the potential for genes to be triggered in the right situation. And so there's some emerging research that's linking diseases like Crohn's to stress. Because in the right situation, which is a high stress state with limited blood flow to the bowels, that will limit the, the information that the bowels need to do their job properly, which will then trigger something like Crohn's. Diabetes has also very been linked to stress, especially type 2 diabetes, even in people that are thin. So you can be very stressed, very thin, and still be getting type 2 diabetes, which is usually typically associated with people who struggle with their weight. And that, again, comes down to the hormone cortisol. Then also, uh, as I shared with your audience when we did a collaboration on your Instagram feed, part of the stress, the chronic stress that we go under, actually causes some damage to our DNA. So on the top of each DNA strand that we have all over our body, there are these little caps, these little hats that sit on top. They're called telomeres. Yeah. And as we encounter more stress, those telomeres get worn down. And then those DNA strands start to unravel, which leads to cells that we commonly hear called free radicals, yes. which are precancer cells. So those, the cancer, there's diseases that also have degeneration, like MS, like ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease also have very strong links to stress. A lot of autoimmune conditions are also linked to stress. So this is where managing our stress response and learning how to do that is so important because there's all these really big devastating illnesses that can easily be prevented if we take better care of our bodies and learn how to manage this modern day stress. Modern day, going off of that, I think living in a busy city like London or New York, Toronto or wherever in the world, is there anything that someone can do to minimize it as much as possible? Or is it just that the environment is the issue? So absolutely, you need to acknowledge the circumstances and the environment that you live in. But if you choose to see that as the reason for your stress and that you feel like, well, I can't do anything about it, then you've given it your power away. There's still tons that you can do. And so a lot about combating modern day stress is to set strong boundaries that are really easy for you to enforce. So even when we're at home, we've got our phone, our fancy phone that sends us text messages or maybe emails if you have a smartphone or all of these things that are constantly keeping us connected. And so there's lots of really good apps out there that help you set boundaries around that. So that way you're not constantly feeling connected and needing to always respond to that person the second you hear the little ping on your phone. So to be able to create boundaries to that and then also prioritizing active self-care, not passive self-care. Mm -hmm. So sometimes after a really busy day, we feel like, oh my gosh, all I want to do is just come home, kick up my feet, sit on the couch and binge watch some Netflix. But really that's passive self-care because what that does is tune you out it allows your body to rest, but it doesn't allow you to process anything that you've walked through that day. Yeah. So what you, what you could do then is spend five minutes before you start binge watching that Netflix to just journal in an Evernote, a free version of Evernote to just talk to somebody, give somebody a quick ring on the phone to just be able to process what's happening because otherwise we keep that stress built up and caught in our body. We just keep adding to it and storing it in our body. And so our body actually reacts to this stored stress and starts to notice that it's normal. And so this chemical balance, these 
chemicals in relations to the emotions we're feeling and the stress balance we're feeling, our body starts to maintain. So even if your stress balance decreases in your life because certain things about your environment or your circumstances change, your body's going to still try its best to maintain that high level of stress chemical because that's what it's used to. So that's where we have to really train our bodies to learn how to release all of that emotion and caught up stress. And there's a bunch of different ways that you can do that, but really whatever works best for you and whatever you're going to stick to is the way to go. Yoga is yeah. not for everybody. Stretching and going for a run is not for everybody. I am not a runner. I will never be a runner. Me neither. I'm not a fan of running. I am not a fan of running at all. For me, I'm, I'm more of a weightlifting gal. I love weightlifting and I was in a really stressful job. I just found it incredibly stressful to the point where sometimes I would just dread going into the office because I knew what was waiting for me. I remember I was so stressed at one point that even on Friday evening, which used to be a source of relief for me, I used to dread because I used to think this feeling won't last for a very long time. In just a few days, I'm going to go back to work. I would go to the gym and lift weights. And I used to finish those workouts and think if I could actually lift 10 kilos more than I have a few weeks ago, I can get through this. And it kind of builds more of a mental strength as much as it does a physical strength. Is there anything else that you would advise in terms of active self-care? To think outside the box, because often we think like, okay, I'm at work. And then outside of work, that's when I can start doing my self-care. That's when I can start doing these stress management, coping strategies that work really well for me. But the truth is, is there's tons of little pockets of time throughout your day that you can use. So in the ICU, I did a lot of internal work to be able to not worry about what people said of me and to not take things personally to be able to do this. But uh, on our little 15 minute break, I would go into the storage room, set out a little mat and meditate for 10 minutes. Wow. And so people would know they would come into the room and oh yeah, it's just Heather in her corner. But mm -hmm. that would be enough for me to just sort of reset from the very stressful ICU shift and to take five minutes to go out for a walk outside, rain, shine, or minus 40 snow, and just do that for five minutes before I sat down to eat my lunch. Just to do little bits here and there, just to give yourself a little reset. We've seen this self-care trend that you've got to be able to dedicate 30 minutes a day of self-care to yourself, but there's nothing in there that says that 30 minutes, number one, is the absolute be-end-all goal that actually creates a difference. And nobody says you have to do that all at once. Yes. Five minutes in line while you're waiting to the, see the bank or waiting now to get into a grocery store. If you're waiting for a couple of minutes before it's your turn to go in, don't go on your phone. Think, just be with yourself. What's coming up for you? What do you need to address? Because often when we try and solve a problem or when we're really stuck on something, we just keep like focusing at it and really figuring if we don't give up on it, eventually the problem will be revealed to us. But the truth is, is meditation and mindfulness are the best problem solvers. So often one of the best things that you can do to solve a problem is to get up, leave it alone for five minutes and try to clear your mind. Because once you've kind of created that space, gotten out of the busy brain on top of the ocean space and dropped into the big picture, I can see everything happening around me space. That's where those answers just pop into your brain and you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that earlier? Embracing the unexpected, getting out outside of the box, looking for pockets of time here and there and making the most of them. Yeah, I love that you say those small pockets of time for self-care. It's something that I do a lot, especially when I am in a particularly stressful environment like work or if you're going through a stressful time. That's exactly it. We're so much in an instant gratification society. We want to do something once and have it fix it to be able to feel better as fast as possible. But 
doing these kinds of things is the same as doing strength training at the gym. Every time you practice a mindful practice or just getting out and doing five minutes of self-care, that's one bicep curl. And you don't yeah. get strong by doing one bicep curl and be like, I'm done now. You have mm-hmm. to keep up with the practice. So this is something that will develop over time, but there is a lot of research that shows that a consistent practice, even something like, for example, there's a study that showed that a gratitude practice instilled in these, these two groups, they did a group study where one group was getting mental health support through cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the gold standard of modern psychology. And so they were just going through the regular cognitive behavioral therapy stream. The other group still got the same cognitive behavioral therapy support, but they were also encouraged to write a short gratitude letter by text or email to somebody important in their life. And after eight days of doing this, the group that was already writing the gratitude practices had already advanced beyond the normal expected transition phase for them to have gone through over 12 weeks. So eight days of gratitude practice increased and sped up their healing by so, so many weeks. Wow. Like almost 11 weeks. Something as simple as this, just consistent practice can make a huge difference. So it's not the instant gratification kind of, but it's pretty darn close. I am someone who is grateful. I am grateful for all that I have and the people that I do have in my life, but it's not something I actively think of. And so knowing that, that's going to motivate me. Absolutely. And gratitude is one of my core values. It's something that's very, very important to me. And so I, on my Instagram stories, every night I share a gratitude prompt I and love it's it, so yeah. much more than think of three things you're grateful for, because that can get really repetitive very quickly. And we can start to fall out of that practice because it's sort of, well, I'm just saying the same things over and over. So why am I doing this? So I just, if you can start to think of gratitude in different ways, and that's what these prompts really try to get you to do is then you start to notice how gratefulness is so much more than listing three things. And that completely shifts your perspective of so many things. What for you is a prompt that you would then reflect on today, for example? So I think my gratitude prompt for today would be something along the lines of how has technology made your life better today? So for me, technology has allowed me to connect with you and to be able to speak with another audience and to hopefully help inspire other people. So that is a fantastic way that technology has helped me today. And I'm very grateful for technology. We connected over a mutual interest in well-being and health. And that's not something that we would have been able to have done had we not had technology to facilitate that. Going back to gratitude, are there other ways that perhaps someone can manage stress? Because I'm wondering overall, if we are able to manage our stress a lot better, does that mean then that we should be aiming to live a stress-free life as possible? Or is it that we need to accept that stress is inevitable? So yeah, what is it that we should be aiming towards in our life when it comes to stress? Great question. So often when we talk about stress, we think of negative stress. We think of the distress side of things. And so there's actually a stress curve. It's like a normal bell curve kind of shape. And there's a sweet spot right at the top where you're in what's called eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And so what that means is you've got enough 
drive and motivation. There's enough that you're working towards that you're feeling balanced and you're feeling motivated and driven to work to create a really good life for yourself. And so this you stress is what we really want. So uh, there's a stress risk assessment that's been around since the 70s and it keeps getting tested over and over again. And what it does is it looks at different stressful events that have happened in your life over the past two years. And then it links it to your risk of chronic illness moving forward. But some of the things listed on there are like buying a new home or moving or getting married, having a baby. All of these things are very positive for a lot of people, but they're still stressful. They still have yep. that stress on your body. So the goal really isn't to have a low stress life. The goal is to have the right kind of stress and to perceive stress in the right way. So there was a study done at uh, the University of Wisconsin where they brought a group of people together and they had them rate their stress on a scale of one to 10 with 10 being the highest level and uh, one being little to no stress at all. Then they watched them over the next eight years and followed them to see who died. And so the bad news first is that the people who saw their stress response as being very high uh, had a 43% increased risk of dying. But there was a twist. They also asked all these people to let them know if they saw their stress response as helpful or harmful. So the people who saw their stress response as harmful were more likely to die. But the people who still rated their stress level as a 10, but saw their stress response as helpful, had no increased risk of dying at all. And oh, in wow. fact, they did better than the people who saw their stress response as harmful, but rated their stress level as a 1. So what they've extrapolated this to mean then is that it's not stress that causes all these negative effects, but our belief that stress is harmful. So by learning how to shift that belief and perspective on stress can be actually what prevents you from having all of these negative effects of stress. So learning more about the stress response and how it empowers you and how it's really there to support you rather than there as this enemy to try and avoid. So that is the biggest thing that you can do is shift your perspective on how you view stress. That's just blown my mind right there. How can we begin to perceive stress in a much better way? Are there any steps that we can perhaps take to minimize the really negative view towards stress? So what we can do is start to see what our body is doing as supporting us. So when we feel our heart rate ramp up and when we feel our breathing start to get faster, we can say thank you to our body. Thank you for supporting me and getting the blood and oxygen to where I need it most right now really appreciate that because I would be lost without you mm -hmm. to be able to see all of the stressful events in your life moving around, but also pulling out those positive stress pieces and to bring your attention to those as well will really help you in this case. Because what, what this does when we're bringing your attention to the you stressful moments, the positive stress, the more happy stressful moments, and also seeing the stress response as helpful. What this does, Harvard did another study that kind of looked at this as well. And what they noticed was that physiologically, when we're experiencing stress, the little blood vessels around our heart get tinier. And they do that all over our body. That's what increases our blood pressure and which allows the blood to get around faster and get the oxygen and nutrients to where we need. So again, this is a supportive mechanism. But because they also shrink around our heart, that's one of the reasons why it also leads to heart disease and heart attacks. So when we're stressed, that's the typical response. But when we're experiencing eustress, when we can shift our perspective to see our stress response as being helpful, those little blood vessels around our heart stay open. They don't shrink down at all. And we see this in the same responses as courage and joy. So if we can give ourselves space to feel 
courageous, to feel understood and supported. This not only will help us keep our heart protected from this negative effects of stress, but it's also going to help rewind those pieces of DNA. So there was another study done where they looked at a group of uh, people, uh, moms of children with special needs, and they brought them all together in a support group. It was not facilitated. There was nothing extra added to it. They were just able to talk, to feel heard and understood. And what they noticed was that the little blood vessels around their heart stayed open. Those DNA strands that unravel when we're stressed actually reformed and the telomeres, the little caps, came back on. So one thing that we can do is start to notice and thank our body for supporting us during this stressful time, to bring our awareness to those positive you stressful moments, and then to connect with a community that understands us, makes us feel like we belong, and that we can freely talk about what we are struggling with without feeling judged or without having somebody tell us, okay, so here's what you do. We just yeah. want to be heard. So those three things can be massive in helping you shift your perspective and heal your body from those negative effects of stress. Oh, wow. You are full of wisdom and full of studies. So fascinating what our bodies are capable of. It blows my mind. Oh, I could talk to you all day, Heather. You are, again, I've just mentioned you're a wealth of knowledge. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much, Hafsa. I really enjoyed our talk. So where can the listeners find you online? So they can find me on Instagram and Facebook if they go to the Ultimate Life Survival Guide. That's my handle. And you can also find me at heatherthatcher.com. I have lots of free resources. There's a stress management workshop. There's a stress risk assessment. There's all kinds of things that you can find there. Please do go on her website, have a look at everything that she has to offer. Definitely have a look at everything that she has to share. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Have a great one. Take care and stay safe. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.